church, let's open back up our Bibles together to the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John. We're going to be uh, at the end of 1 John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, you should see a blue one uh, in the chair bottom in front of you. We'd love for you to open that one up with us. Um, Reading God's Word is powerful. Um, God works through His Word in ways that He doesn't work through anything else. And so we would love it if you would open that blue one home, but that blue one up with us. And if you need a Bible, take that blue one home with you. We'd love to, for that to be our gift to you. First John, towards the back of the Bible, itty bitty book. It's a letter from John the Apostle, um, John Jesus' disciple, and his inner three, one of his best friends in the world, Jesus' best friends in the world, uh, to a church in crisis asking, how do we know that we're saved? First John chapter 1, and we're going to begin in... First John chapter 1, little number 5 here in a moment. It looks like everybody's just about there. Would you continue to turn your Bibles, but let's, let's bow together and let's pray over God's Word. Father, uh, the, the thought that you communicate with us, that you desire for us to know you, to know who you are, to know your holiness, to know your righteousness, to know your grace, to know your mercy. Father, that just that act alone that you have spoken to us through your word, Father, just shows your grace and your mercy. We don't deserve it. And Father, we, we, we know that. And so as we approach your word, Father, we, we understand the, the gravity of this situation as, as your people gather together and as we open your word that you've proclaimed is powerful and effective and living and, and cuts, cuts bone and marrow and, and soul and spirit and cuts our heart, Father, gets down deep, Father. We, we understand that that's what we're entering into. And Father, we know that we have many forces that are against us, understanding and hearing and, and submitting to your word. And so, Father, we just pray that you go before us in this moment, send your Holy Spirit to till the soil of our hearts. And Father, we pray specifically, Father, may we grow in the confidence of our relationship with You through Jesus Christ in this time today. Father, what a beautiful thing that You want Your children to know they have eternal life. So Father, may You use that, may You use this time and that message Help us build confidence that we are good with our Father through the work of Jesus Christ alone. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So my son Judah is almost one. Uh, be one at the end of the year, er, end of the month. Um, he is learning how to walk, sort of, sort of. That boy has the biggest head of any baby I've ever seen in my life. And he's really tall. He's really tall. Uh, I can say that now because in a few years he's going to be bigger than me. And I won't be able to say that. He's really tall. So, he, you know, tall kid, big head. As he's learning to walk, he kind of looks like this, right? Kind of doing one of these things. A stiff breeze will just blow. There he goes. Just blow him over. And so he's learning to walk. He's grabbing all the things. He's walking that way. And he'll, I'll, I'll hold him with my fingers and he'll walk that way. We've got a little, uh, we got a little uh, bicycle thing. It's got four wheels and a little... You hold on to it, and he rides that around. He's learning how to walk. And he's so proud of himself when he does that. And, uh, and we're proud. 
We want our son, we want our children to learn how to walk. It'd be weird. It'd be weird if they didn't learn how to walk. Something something would be off. Something would be amiss. And not just that, our goal is for our son Judah to walk like me, like us, right? We want him to walk like us. We want want him to maneuver like we maneuver. That's what we want for our children. We don't want him walking around on his hands. That'd be weird. Might get a job at the circus, so that might be one plus of that, but we don't want him to do that. We don't want him to crawl the rest of his life. We want him to walk like us. Maturity for Judah and for children is to grow up and do the things that we do and walk the way that we walk. That's what we want for our kids. And in the same way, God wants us to walk like he walked. In this church that John is writing this letter to, you'll remember, they're asking this question, what does it mean to be saved? How can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I'm right with God? You ever ever wonder that? So John writes this letter with many ways that we can grow in our confidence that we are right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. And this passage is going to say this. By this, we may know that we are in Him. Isn't that good news? By this, we may know. God wants us to know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Walking like our parents shows maturity. Walking like our parents is a good thing. For believers to grow in confidence that we are moving toward Jesus. To grow in confidence that we are right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. To grow in confidence means walking like Jesus walked. We say it this way around here. We say our job as a church is to make faithful followers. Faithful followers. What do we mean when we say that? We mean exactly what this verse says. Our goal, what we want, what we long for, what has captured our heart, what we want to make sacrifices in here for, is that we can make more Christians who walk the way He walked. We want that for your children as they are here. We want that for your grandchildren as they are here. We want that for you. We want that for your unbelieving neighbors. And even you as a believer, we want you to grow in faithful walking after our Savior. And so John is going to tell us, faithful following grows your confidence. As we walk closer to Jesus, it will grow your confidence in your salvation. If you're struggling with your assurance, ask yourself, am I walking the way he walked? Now, the title of the, of the sermon is Confidence from Faithful Following. Faithfully following Jesus grows our confidence. Now, we need to be very careful, very clear. We worded it that way for a specific reason. We are, the title of the sermon is Confidence from Faithful following not confidence in faithful following do you see the difference there as believers we do not get our confidence in our salvation 
from the way that we walk in our righteousness. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're not confident that I'm right with God because I am such a great faithful follower. That's not what brings us confidence. That's not what brings us salvation. Jesus Christ and Him alone has paid the penalty for my sin. And His righteousness and His righteousness alone has been credited to my account. And it's all because of Jesus that I'm saved. And then as I follow Jesus, as I faithfully follow Jesus, I gain confidence from faithful following, not in faithful following. Are we clear? Is that clear? If not, tell me. We, okay. We are saved by grace through faith alone. It's not of ourselves as a gift of God, not by works, not by faithful following, so that no one can boast. But those who have Jesus will walk the way that He walked. So, I am confident in my salvation when I see in my own life the Holy Spirit growing me in maturity that I couldn't do myself. I gain confidence in my salvation when I find myself doing things that I know I wouldn't be doing on my own. I find myself growing in confidence when I say, I can't believe I said that. That was right. I would never say that. It must be the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of confidence we're talking about. And when I think about these things, I think about my professor in grad school who was talking about this exact thing. That I hope you've been graced with this. That sometimes in the Christian life, we, we hit a brick wall. Life throws something at us that, that just throws everything off and, and life seems to be crumbling. And in that moment, somehow the Holy Spirit wells up in us, swells up in us, and we find ourselves with tremendous faith that we know cannot be from ourselves. Or we find ourselves with tremendous righteousness in that moment that we cannot attribute to anything other than the Holy Spirit. And in those moments we say, wow, couldn't do that on my own. I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. My professor told his story this way. His faithful following story this way. His growing in confidence story this way. He said, that moment, that moment when I grew in confidence was when I was in the hallway of the hospital after leaving the doctor's office with my wife and the doctor telling me that I have cancer and I will probably die I remember standing in that hallway through tears my wife and I clinging to each other singing the praises of our God y'all can do that is that faithful following praising God in every situation absolutely what in the world can cause that kind of faithful following? Only the Holy Spirit. Confidence from faithful following, not in faithful following. So let's read together about our faithful following and the confidence that that can grow in us. Let's read together. First John, big number one, little number five. And we're going to read through a few verses into chapter two. Let's read this together. 
as for a church that's, that's needing to grow in confidence. This is what John the Apostle says. This is the message. We have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you might not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You want to grow in confidence and faithful following? Growing from in confidence from faithful following, we need to understand who we're following. We need to understand the gravity, the power of of Jesus. He says, "This is a message that we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all." If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So light and darkness is a big, it's a big theme in Scripture. From the very beginning of the book, we see this collision between light and dark. From the very beginning of the Bible, we see that. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. We're supposed to say, that's a, that's a place I don't want to be. Chaos. Darkness. We're supposed to think evil and wickedness and absence of God. And the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. We see these, this collision course that God is out to, to destroy all kinds of darkness. We see in Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. We see in Scripture that God's light is our protection. Micah 7.8, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. The Lord is our protection. The Lord's light is our protection. The Lord's light is God's direction for us. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Ecclesiastes talks about God's light as wisdom. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. We see light to describe God's resurrection 
Ephesians 5, Paul says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We see when, when light pops up in Scripture, it is life-changing, life-altering. It is resurrection. It is wisdom. It is protection. And then we see Jesus. And Jesus comes and he walks among us. And John in his gospel writes about the light of Jesus this way. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What is he saying? All these passages of Scripture that these Jewish men have learned from, their, from, from childhood, all these passages of Scripture that they know about the light of God, His protection, His resurrection, His wisdom, His direction, all these things have, been, have come together in the person of Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world! Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All these things about Jesus have come together. This powerful, unbelievably, unbelievably powerful light of God has been concentrated, has been focused, has been de delivered to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So, since Jesus shines like the sun, faithful followers walk in the light. What should we expect from walking behind the source of the light of God? What should we expect walking behind the concentrated, focused source of this powerful light that God's Word has spoken of? What should we expect? You can't follow Jesus and be the same person. You can't follow Jesus and still be loving the sin that you loved before you met Him. Why? Because he shines like the sun. His light changes everything. So to say that I'm following behind the source of God's light and to say that I'm still walking in darkness, it's not the same thing. It doesn't go together. You can't walk in darkness and be following Jesus. Jesus changes everything. The light of Jesus changes everything about your life. It's like, it's like this. You see that video several years ago of a July 4th fireworks celebration in San Diego. You see this? It's a big city, so they probably spent a million dollars on all these fireworks. They had this huge plan, and you see all the people, uh, all, all the people lying on the beach, they're going to watch the city's fireworks over there, and, and the sun goes down, and everything gets really, really dark, and it's about to start. And as they set it off, there was a mistake. And all that millions of dollars of fireworks went off at the same time. Boom! It lit up like it was 12 o'clock noon around there. 
They couldn't believe it. That explosion of light changed everything for those people for that 15 seconds. Boom! If that, those fireworks can make that drastic a change, what would it look like following the Son of God? Since Jesus is this constant explosion of God's light, will a true faithful follower walk in darkness? No. To walk in darkness is to not be following Jesus. And so what does it look like to be walking in the light? What does it look like to be faithfully following Jesus? Well, John tells us in verse 7, faithful followers will gather. Faithful followers will gather. He says this in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember, we're talking about a, a church that has lost People out the door, yelling over their shoulder, y'all are going to hell, we're going over here. You think Jesus is God, you think that Jesus covers your sins, you're crazy, we don't have sins to cover, we don't need cover, we're out of here. And so they're asking these questions about what does it mean, they've left us, and what do we do here? And John says, faithful followers will gather. When we're following Jesus in the light, we won't be able to help it, but gather with other believers. It's like this, if we were literally following Jesus down the street and I'm walking behind him and we come past your house and the Holy Spirit brings you out and makes you a faithful follower as well and we're both now following Jesus. If we follow him close enough, what are we going to end up doing? We're going to be together. We're going to be in fellowship. We can't help it, can we? We are literally following the same man walking down the road. We literally cannot help but gather together. Therefore, the closer you follow Jesus, the closer you will gather with your church. That's just that's what I said. That is the expectation. If we're following Jesus, he will. If we are faithfully following Jesus, he will lead you through the doors of a church. Are you with me? He will lead you to a church family. That's the way it works. And if you're, if, if you're not doing that, if you're not part of a church family, your confidence will diminish. That's not where Jesus is leading us. He leads us to a church family. I mean, there are, what did we say, there, there are 40 or 50 commands in Scripture for one another. There are 40 and 50 commands for you, believer, that can only be obeyed with a church family. Commands like love one another. Commands like be devoted to one another. Commands like honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Be patient with one another. Be patient with your pastor. Let me say that a few more times. I, I need lots of patience. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. How about this one? Submit to one another. Do not lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. If you keep on biting and devouring one another, you'll be destroyed by one another. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against one another. 
All these things, all these commands in Scripture for you, believer. This is from the man you are following. Jesus, the Word of God, is presenting this to you, and He is saying, this is faithful following. Love one another. Don't grumble against one another. Be patient with one another. Be long-suffering with one another. It's worth asking this question. When you meet somebody who doesn't have a church family and says, I, don't, I could be a Christian and not go to church. It's worth saying, you don't have a church family. Well, how do you, how do you submit to, to the elders? What elders do you submit to? Jesus says, that's what, who, who are you, what church family are you being patient with? How do you fulfill that command? It's worth thinking about. And that's why we're, we're following together and, and we're following the same man down the street. We will inevitably gather together and we will be following him together. And, the, and Scripture gives us these one another's that we must be doing together. If we want to faithfully follow, it's, it's there because Jesus expects us to have a church family. That's where he will lead us. He'll always lead us through the doors of a church family. And that's why Paul talks about how important it is in church to never put a stumbling block before a brother or sister. Romans 14, why does he say that? Because we're all following one another. We're following Jesus. We're all gathered together following Jesus. And Paul says, don't be grabbing a stone on the side of the road and as you're walking, throw it at the feet of the person next to you. Faithful following means we will gather. And I know, I know, Right now, we feel the weight of our circumstances putting tremendous pressure on gathering together. Isn't that right? Gathering together, faithfully following together, will get very difficult sometimes. We know that from this. I mean, if you if you're if this is your church home, this is your church family. Can you imagine how difficult it would be for half of us to leave saying the other half are not a bunch of believers? That's hard, isn't it? That's a difficult thing. That's what's going on right there. Church has always been hard. We've just been so blessed in America to not to deal with how difficult it is to gather. It's been easy to gather. Our entire lives, it's been so easy to gather. No one stops us from gathering. That's not true of most Christians around the world. I read this article about Chinese Christians at the beginning of the pandemic. And American Christians wrote to them and said, Pastor, Chinese pastor, tell us, give us some, some guidance on how to do this. They've been doing this for years. Government won't let them gather. Gathering in secret, not gathering. All these things they know about, they've done for a long time. And they, they gave this, this is a summary of some of their, some of their recommendations. They said, we're not going to be meeting because of the pandemic, but that's okay. We've done it before. We will, we will get through this. We will connect with each other in different ways. We will call one another. We will be concerned about loving our neighbors and our neighborhoods. We will persevere in Christ. We'll persevere in Christ. And here is some comfort, hopefully, in this time. Here's some comfort for this. The church will survive. The church will survive. 
and we will get on the other side of this, and you know what we'll find out? We are thriving. We're thriving. And one of the things this, this time will and should, and I pray, brings to all of us is a growing confidence that we gather when it's hard. Why are you still here? Nobody likes masks. Nobody likes that the chairs are six feet apart. Nobody likes that we can't hug and can't shake hands. So why are you still here? Because the Holy Spirit is in you and you are still committed to your church even when it's difficult. And Christian, that is designed to grow your confidence. Are you with me? And I know some of us watch online. Is that fun to do? Some of you in here have watched online before. No, I I don't like doing that at all. But that perseverance happens because the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart that even in the hard times, faithful followers gather as best they can, however they can. How blessed are we that we haven't had to shut down again? Right? a lot to be thankful for. God has been good to us. Faithful followers grow in confidence as they gather, especially in difficult times. The church members in this church that gathered the Sunday after everybody left, maybe it was during the Sunday morning sermon, some guy stood up and said, Pastor, you're wrong. Jesus did not die for our sins. We don't need him to cover our sins. He is not really God. We're out of here. Let's go. Maybe they left. When you show up the next Sunday, that should grow your confidence because only the Holy Spirit can do something like that. Are you with me? Faithful followers, gather. Gathering, being steadfast with your church, online, in person. Some of us work on Sunday mornings and can't, can't hit this target every single Sunday morning, but when you can, you, sh- you show up anyway. When, when we persevere through things like that, I want... God wants that, and I want that for you to grow your confidence. That grief you feel, being unable to meet as we used to do it, being able to unmeet and not meet and see everybody that we used to see, that grief that you feel is a good grief that's put there by the Holy Spirit. That should grow your confidence. He also says, faithful followers, how about how is this for, for, for confidence? How is this for grace? Faithful followers sin. Faithful followers sin. 1 John 1.8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's what that group was saying. We don't have sins that need to be covered. We're good to go. You guys are going to hell. We're out of it. What do we do, John? How do we grow in confidence? He says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. The questions I often get about assurance and about confidence and salvation, the counseling sessions I have about assurance and, and of salvation, and my own heart proclaims this, sin steals our confidence. Our flesh desires the comfort of self-righteousness. 
Our self desires the confidence of believing that we are better than everybody else and that we never sin. Our flesh desires that. And so when we sin, our flesh wants to lower our confidence level. Our enemy, Satan, loves to shake our sins in our face and declare that God must not love us. You're a preacher. You're not supposed to act this way. You must not be saved. But here's the great news. If we say we do not sin, we are not saved. Isn't that great news? That's great news. The recognition of my sin is a sign of a saved soul. It's great news. My battle with sin is not a sign that I'm not saved. It's a sign of a saved soul. The great news, when you are brokenhearted by your sin because you love Jesus, and as you struggle with your assurance, guess what? Lost people don't struggle with their assurance. Are you with me? When I realized that years ago, that was a light bulb moment. Satan doesn't want lost people to be worried about their assurance with God. He wants you to be. The fact that you struggle with your own sinfulness is a sign that you know who Jesus is. Isn't that good news? What incredible grace of God. And we should, we should understand this. The closer that I walk to the light, the source of the light of God, the closer that I am to Jesus, what, what's going to happen? More, the darkness deep down in my heart will begin to be revealed. And so what we find, and this has been true, this has been true for me when I've gotten to know older saints. What I find is, the longer you follow Jesus, the more aware you are that you are a sinner. The longer you follow Jesus, the more aware you'll be that you need Him. It's like this. We follow Jesus closely, the light will be revealing stuff to us. You know, so, some of us have, have bathrooms with blinding lights over the mirror. Do you have one of those? Like our mirror at my house is like dark. It's, it's not too big. So you can look in it and you don't see all, you don't see it. And I go to your house with those bright floodlights and I go, oh, what is this thing? Oh, that's my face. It shows every wrinkle, every blemish, right? Every gray hair in my beard. It's like, whoa, that light just, everything comes out. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. The closer we are, the closer we see him, the more we hear from his commands, we start to see all the imperfections in us that are still there. We see all the blemishes. We see all the wrinkles. We see everything in our righteousness that, that we, we see the emptiness in our righteousness. And so being aware of our sinfulness is not something that, that we should avoid or that we should feel that, oh no, because I sin, therefore I should, I, I'm not saved. We shouldn't say that. John says, no, no, that's not how this works. If you are saying that you are sinless, you should have no assurance. But the fact that you see your own sinfulness should raise your confidence. Faithful following is seeing and admitting we are sinners. Not hiding our sin, which is self-righteousness. Not ignoring our sin, which is cheap grace. Not living in outright darkness, which is lostness. No, we admit our sin with broken hearts and a growing confidence. 
closer we are to Jesus, the more powerful we see Him and the more we know that He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what do we do when we sin? John says faithful followers cling to Jesus when they sin. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Read this with me again if you will. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the entire sins of the whole world. For the sins of the whole world. Faithful following, the closer we get to Jesus, we, we, we need to be embracing the paradox of a sinning, faithful follower. We need to embrace the paradox of the sinning, faithful follower. I'm going to call this a sanctified paradox. Okay? Sanctified paradox. Something that appears difficult to connect, but when investigated is absolutely true. It's difficult to connect that I'm trying to, I'm faithfully following Jesus and yet I am still sinning. It's difficult to connect those things, but they are absolutely true. This is a paradox. John says, do not sin. I'll never forget, one of the last days uh, in, in school, one of my professors got up, he said, okay, here's my last message for you. Stop sinning. Sticks in my mind. That's what John's saying here. Stop sinning. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins, not just our sins, but also the whole world. He is righteous and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a paradox? And so we don't need to fall on the either side, right? We don't need to fall, we don't need to fall with both, both feet on the don't sin and that's self-righteousness. That's what I start condemning you. Don't sin. But at the same time, we don't need to fall on the other side, which is just, hey, Jesus will forgive us. We can go live however we want. No, we live with one foot and do not sin. And we live with the other foot. And if we do sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That's a sanctified paradox of faithful following. We are sinners. We are sinners who are learning to walk closer to Jesus. He is the propitiation, the sacrifice that turns away God's wrath. His blood cleanses us from all sins. He is our advocate with the Father. And we've talked about what that means, right? We have In the courtroom of God, we've got Satan, who's called the accuser, who's accusing us of true sins that we've got, that we, des- we deserve to go to hell. But then we have an advocate of Jesus who says, my blood covers that one. My blood covers that one. We cling to Jesus when we sin. Faithful followers cling to Jesus when we sin. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And finally, faithful followers find His commands and word precious. Faithful followers find His commands and words precious. Chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word in Him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him if we walk in the way that He has walked. Faithful followers find His commands and words precious. Now, if we just read, this is why we, when we read Scripture and we study Scripture, we study passages, not just verses. Because if you just read verse two, 3 through 5, you'll say, oh man, i got to keep all His commandments or I don't know Him. We could fall into that 
do not sin category, self-righteousness category. But we've already, he's already told us, we will sin. In fact, if we say we don't sin, we're not saved. So he says, what does keep mean? Well, keep means we keep it on my mantelpiece as something that's precious. Keep means the, ver- the commands of Jesus I want to follow. Keep means the words of Jesus I find as so important to my life. So if I'm following Jesus down the street, the light of God, and he throws something over his shoulder about, hey, avoid that pothole. I'm going to avoid that pothole because I find his words and his commands precious. The commands of Jesus are not arbitrary rules. If we think Jesus is just the fun police, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to faithfully follow. But if we know that every command, every word was crafted lovingly so that you may find incredible joy following Jesus. If we understand that, then my heart is in it and I begin to see it as precious. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Faithful following. Faithful followers. Following in the light. Here's one thing. I'm going to give you a super practical, super practical thing that has helped me. We find His words and His commands precious. Here's something I will do. If, if maybe you're struggling with, with reading God's Word, faithful followers find it precious. Faithful followers follow His commands. We've we got to know His commands. We've got to know His Word. If you want to get the Word of God into you, let me challenge you to do this. We have the Version Bible app, Mallory and I. And this year we said we're going to read the Bible through in a year. And they have awesome little plans that you get on your little app, you get on your phone, and it breaks down into easy 10, 15 minutes. Uh, you read four, usually a psalm or a proverb, uh, two Old Testament passages and a gospel passage. And you read through that a year. And I tell you, just sitting down, getting the Word into your life, will change things. So this is what I would this is what I'll challenge you. If you're not reading the word of God, if you're not in the word of God and you're following Jesus but you're finding it hard, when we're out of the word it becomes harder, our confidence dwindles. So maybe this is your challenge. Download the Uversion app, it's free. Find a Bible reading plan, it's free. Sit down, get the word of God in your life. That's my challenge. God is good. Christian, he's your father. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to be confident in your relationship with him.